Amen. All right. Now, I want to dive into part, what are we on? Part four. Part four of Gather, Grow, Go. We're in the Gospel of Matthew. We're looking at these themes in the Gospel of Matthew. If you haven't been with us for the last several weeks, we're looking at these themes uh, in Matthew where Jesus is gathering a crowd. He's gathering people to come to him. He's seeking to develop them and grow them in the faith. And then he is sending them out. He's saying to them, go and proclaim the gospel around the world. So we're looking at these themes in the Gospel of Matthew, and today we're still in what I would call the grow section. Next week we'll be in the go section, and the following week the go section. But right now we're in the grow section where Jesus is is inviting us as his followers to grow in him. So I'm going to start today by reading one of his most famous stories, one of his most famous parables, and we're going to dive into it and, and pull it apart and see how it applies to us this morning. Here's what it says in Matthew 13. It says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. Somebody say the path. Some of the seed fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some of the seed fell on rocky places. Somebody say rocky places. Rocky places where it did not have much soil, that seed sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns. Somebody say thorns. Fell among thorns which grew up and choked out the plants. Still other seed fell on, last thing I'll make you say this morning, Good soil. Somebody say good soil. Some seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. And then Jesus ends the parable by saying this. Whoever has ears. Anybody got ears in here today? Whoever has ears, let them hear. Today I'm going to speak for the next few moments on the subject cultivating the fields of your heart. Cultivating the fields of your heart of your heart. Let's take a moment. Let's bow our hearts. Let's bow our heads. Let's invite the Holy Spirit in today. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We pray, Lord God, that our hearts would be receptive to you this morning, that any distraction from the day or the week would be set aside, that we would just turn our attention to you, 100% to you for the next few moments and embrace your word. Let it penetrate our heart and let it take root. We love you. We thank you, we honor you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. In 1931, the United States went through a major drought. The rain, especially in the Midwestern region, just dried up, and it became very, very dry. The drought especially impacted farmers in states like Oklahoma, Texas, Kansas, and Colorado. In addition to the droughts, that region in that area began to experience unusually high temperatures and and extremely high winds. In addition to these natural conditions, there had been an influx of new and inexperienced farmers who were not aware of and who were not um, who were not educated on some of the most important practices of soil conservation. They just did not know um, how to conserve soil 
over a long period of time. They removed millions of acres of native grassland in this region, exposing the soil to sun and heat. They removed natural buffers like trees and bushes, leaving the ground uh, unprotected from the harsh winds. And they overplowed the fields. They overplanted their crops, causing the soil to be drained of its nutrients. So the combination of these natural conditions and human error completely depleted the soil of its ability to grow crops. And all of these factors led to uh, a, a disaster that many of you probably learned about in school called the Dust Bowl. Anybody ever heard of, of the Dust Bowl? Here's a picture of what some of the fields looked like during the, the Dust Bowl. The soil had become so weak, so unstable, uh, so depleted, from nutrients that literally nothing could grow there. Now here's another picture of the barren fields uh, that you see uh, of the Dust Bowl. So, so these fields, week after week, were dry and barren. Month after month, the region would experience uh, major winds, and because the soil had become so unstable, the winds caused massive dust storms that they called black blizzards. Black blizzards because the dirt and dust would entirely block out the sun. And noon, people would say noon looked like midnight. You can see one of the dust storms uh, here. These dust storms would be 200 miles wide and approximately a mile high. And they would just cover uh, millions and millions of acres. In fact, uh, it was reported that in one of these dust storms, one of these black blizzards, 300 million tons of topsoil was removed from the surface of the earth in one day. The results were devastating, as you could imagine. Families were displaced, children died, cattle died, crops died. It was an absolute ecological disaster, and it took a massive toll on the lives of the people who lived through it. Uh, you may recognize this famous picture of one of the families that lived through the Dust Bowl. People tried and tried to plant crops, but the crops wouldn't grow. They tried to plant wheat, but the wheat wouldn't grow. They tried to, to plant corn, but the corn wouldn't grow. They tried to plant beans, but the beans wouldn't grow. And here's what I want you to get out of this long story this morning. Here's what I want you to get. There was nothing wrong with the seed. There was something wrong with the soil. The seed was good. The soil was bad. When Jesus teaches this parable, he says, your heart is like soil. Your heart, my heart, is like soil. He says, my words are like seed. My words go out, Jesus is saying. They go out, they are spread out into our hearts. But whether that seed is effective, whether that seed grows root, whether that seed produces a crop is entirely dependent upon the character of your soil, the nature and the condition of your heart. If, if we were to distill Jesus' teaching all the way down, this, this teaching in this passage all the way down into one simple line, it would simply be this. The productivity of your life is shaped by the receptivity of your heart. That the productivity of your life, the true fruitfulness and productivity of your life is entirely determined by the receptivity of your heart. Is your heart in the condition to receive the truth of God's word that will take root and cause you to actually 
flourish and be productive. Years ago, when, when we were starting to hire people at the church, I began to study uh, how, how to know who to hire. How do we know when, you know, who, who we should hire? And what I learned is that there are three characteristics whenever you're hiring someone. The three characteristics you want to look at are chemistry, capacity, and character. Chemistry, capacity, and character. Chemistry is simply a question of a person's personality. Do they fit within the culture of the organization into which they are being hired? Are they somebody you want to be around? Are they somebody that you would enjoy? Right? That's chemistry. That's a personality question. Capacity is, is a question of competence. Is this person capable of doing the job that you're hiring them to do? Are they capable? Do they have capacity, right? That's a competence question. But the most important question that you can ask of anybody that you're bringing into your organization, or by the way, you're bringing into your life, right? This, this applies to if you're looking for a spouse, if you're looking for a friend, if you're looking uh, to build friendships with other people. The most important thing that you need to look at is number three, which is character. Because that's a heart question. What is the condition of this person's heart? Is their heart open? Are they receptive? Are they humble? Are they, are they willing to learn? Are they, uh, are they kind? Are they generous? What, what is the nature of their heart? What is their character? Jesus says to us, that's actually the most important thing that I want to know also. Because you might have all the capacity in the world. You might have all the competence in the world. You might have all the personality in the world. But whether you're going to actually produce what is truly productive and truly fruitful is going to be determined by the condition and the receptivity of your heart. And so for us today as followers of Jesus, we're asking one question. You and I, we're asking today, what is the condition of my heart? This is the question that I want us as a, as a church community today to ask ourselves. What is the condition of my heart? When I hear the word of God proclaimed, what is the condition of my heart? Today, I want to help us do two things. Number one, I, help, I want to help us diagnose the condition of our heart. What's our heart condition? What is my current condition? How receptive am I to receiving the word of God? And then the second thing I want to do is I want to help us cultivate our heart today. I want to help us develop some disciplines that will cultivate the soil of our heart, the fields of our heart, so that our lives can be receptive to the truth of God's word, so that we actually can truly be productive and fruitful, so that we can have a life of bountiful supply. So let's get into the three conditions that Jesus diagnoses. And let's see today if any of these conditions apply to us. The first condition that Jesus talks about is what I'm just going to call the hard heart. This is the hard heart. This is the path. Remember when we all said path? This is the path that some of the seed falls on and does not penetrate because the path is too packed and it's too hard and it's too impervious to the seed. When I was a little kid, when I was about 14 years old, I went to... Caldwell, Idaho. I got a bunch of family up in the Pacific Northwest, and I went up for the summer of my 14th year, and I worked in the fields all summer long. I bucked hay. I moved irrigation lines. I, I picked rocks out of the fields. I milked cows. I was like, for, for three months, I was a real bona fide farmer, y'all. I was like out there working in the fields. So I got pretty acquainted with the, the nature and the structure of the fields and the hay fields that I was working in. I've got a picture of a hay field. This is what a lot of the fields 
looked like uh, where, where I worked. So what you would have is you would have uh, a part of the field that had been cultivated where hay would grow in that part of the field. But in order to get from one field to the next field and in order to separate one field from another, there would be a path. And you can see this path along the side of, uh, of that picture. That path is where people would walk, workers would walk, you would walk to go change irrigation lines, you might ride a four-wheeler, you might ride a horse, you might ride a motorcycle, but you would, you would move along those paths in order to move from one field to the next. But what would happen during hay season, hay planting season, is that the hay seeds would be uh, planted, some of them would fall on this path. And this was a great opportunity for the birds because the birds would just hang along this pathway because they knew this seed wasn't going to go into the ground. They wouldn't have to dig around a root in the dirt to try to get the seed. They just wait until the seed landed on the path and then the birds would come and swoop it up and eat. Jesus says sometimes our heart is like that path. He says our heart has become hard. It's become impervious to the word of God. And he says, the enemy of your soul will come along if your, heart, if your heart gets hard. The enemy of your soul will come along. He'll swoop down and he'll snatch the seed before it has a chance to penetrate into your heart. So one of the questions that we're asking is, what's the condition of my heart? Is my heart in this condition? Now, one of the things that I always want to know is, why would somebody's heart be in this condition? Why do our hearts get hard? So some of us know what this is like, and if we just admit this morning to ourselves that sometimes our heart gets hard. Sometimes we become impervious to the word of God. We, we, we begin to get defensive, and we block off what we know is good for us. And the question that I had is, why would we do this? Why, does, why do people do this? And actually, the answer is in the parable. Remember, he calls this a path. He calls this a path. What happens on a path? People walk on a path. People get, people get stepped on on a path. Sometimes our hearts get hard because our hearts have gotten hurt. Somebody get with me this morning. A lot of times people's hearts get hard because they've been through a difficult time. They feel like they've been stepped on. They feel like they've been walked all over. And over time you build up a defense because you don't want to be harmed again. And your heart can get hard to Christ because of some of the things that Christ's followers may have done or said to you in the past. And so what I want to challenge you to do today, because some of us, there, there's no doubt that there's somebody here uh, or at the Shaw campus or, or one of our brothers is stepping in the light. There's no doubt that some of us have experienced something hurtful, uh, maybe from a person of God or a church, or we've, we've seen things uh, from people who claim to be Christian that harmed us and hurt us, and we've allowed those hurts to make our hearts hard. If that's you today, can I just tell you that the Lord of the harvest is not done with you? Just because your heart might be a little bit hard today? Just because your heart might be a little bit impervious today? You know, the, the Lord of the harvest likes to cultivate hard hearts. He, he likes to get into that hard heart and soften that hard heart. How do we do that? We soften that hard heart by the, by the, by the, by the rivers of the Spirit, by soaking ourselves in the presence of God, by allowing the nutrient of God to penetrate the soil of our heart. I want to challenge those of you today who are experiencing that hardness of heart. I want to invite you to allow your heart to be softened by the Spirit of God. I have a very dear friend who was involved in ministry years ago, loved the Lord, zeal for the Lord, highly capable, great personality, had, all, had the chemistry, had the competence, loved the Lord, and actually had the passion and the heart for the Lord, 
but experienced some hardships at a church, experienced some things that were said uh, or done that really hurt him. And he has never recovered from that hurt. And so as I look at him today and interact with him today, uh, he's still hard to the things of God because he has blamed Jesus for the things that Jesus' followers may have done. And I want to challenge you today, if that's you, uh, let the Lord of the harvest begin to soak into the soil of your heart. Let him soften your heart. In, in February, in, on the 14th of February, we're going to launch the 40 days of prayer and fasting. And I, and I, I, I really, I, my prayer for that period of time for this church is that we will allow that time to soften the soil of our heart. We'll spend every day, some portion of each and every day, in silence and solitude with the Lord. Some period of, of every single day in silence and solitude, reading the scripture, praying, meditating on the word of God. We'll spend every week in Sabbath, gathering together as followers of Jesus, resting in him, leaning into his, his, his word, resting in, in worship, resting in his word. My prayer for us is that that 40 days of prayer and fasting will be a time where the hardness of our hearts will begin to break up and the soil of our heart will begin to soften. So that's the first diagnosis. The first diagnosis is the hard heart. The second diagnosis that Jesus makes is what I'm going to call the uncommitted heart. The uncommitted heart. This is the heart that, that is, is the shallow soil in the rocks. Uh, now, I want to ask a question of you today. Um, don't put this picture up yet because I'm going I'm 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 to bring this picture home in just a minute. But let me ask you this. How many of you, how many of you have ever bought a, a stationary bike? Anybody ever bought a stationary bike? Okay, we got a lot of stationary. Anybody ever bought a treadmill and, and like in their home? Okay, all right. So some piece of home, home equipment, right, for exercise. That's a pretty significant number of people who have purchased something like that. Let me ask you this. How many of you, if you bought a stationary bike, your stationary bike now looks something like this? How many of you would admit that? <laughs> you bought a stationary bike, and that stationary bike is a laundry rack now. How many... Can you just, so yeah, I, th I thought about buying a stationary bike for about two minutes, and I was like, I, that ain't going to work for me. It, it'll end up just, hang, it'll be where I hang my suits. I can't, I can't do it, right? This is what happens to us when we get excited about something, but we don't have the commitment to follow through, right? We, we say, okay, yeah. And, and many of us have done this, right? You get excited about some exercise program. You buy the clothes, you buy the outfit, you buy the equipment. You're $2,000 later. And about three weeks later, <laughs> three weeks later, you're like, what was I going to do again? I can't remember what. Why? Why? Because the thing got hard. The thing got difficult. The thing became a challenge to us. And when things get hard, that's when we know how committed we actually are. Jesus said some of us are going to be like the soil on the side of the path that's shallow and rocky. The seed actually penetrates that soil. But because the soil is shallow, because there's no commitment, when it springs up, and it springs up quickly, it springs up, but when the sun comes out, in other words, when hard times happen, the, 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 the little plant just withers under the sun. Let me show you that field one more time because I want to show this to you. Uh, pull up that field one more time. It, notice right along the path, near the path, between the path and the, and the hay is a little area of dark uh, seedlings that have been kind of popping up, right? 
But if you notice, along the path, it's really hard. And when you walk along the path, it shoves a little bit of soil to the side. And some of the rocks go to the side. And there becomes just enough soil that a seed can actually fall in there. The birds aren't going to get it because it's hidden in the soil. It will spring up because there's enough soil there. But when the conditions get harsh, there's not enough root for it to flourish. And so it burns out. Jesus is saying some of our hearts are like that part of the field. We, we get excited, you know, we, we get the leather-bound Bible, we put the bumper sticker on, we're ready for, for, for Jesus, right, to come. But then when hard things come, a difficulty arises, a temptation arises, a hardship happens, a job loss hits us sideways, some financial difficulty, a health issue arises, suddenly we don't have roots, and so we cannot grow in Christ, If you're taking notes, you should write this down. You can't grow strong if you don't grow deep. You you, you can't get, you you can only grow as tall as you go deep. You can only get as strong as you grow deep. And Jesus is saying to us today, I want you to start developing roots. I, I don't want you to skim across the surface of the gospel. I don't want you to skim across the surface of my teachings and my word. Because what will happen is when hardship comes, which we learned last week, it's going to come. Hard things are going to come. But if you're rooted, then when the hardship comes, you're able to stand strong because you've grown deep. Um, February 8th, I'm going to give you an opportunity to start sinking some roots. We're hosting, a, and it's a fun and easy way to get you dialed in. We're hosting a dream team night. And, and what this is, is first of all, it's just to celebrate those who are already serving. But those of you who are maybe skimming across the surface... Uh, you've, you've kind of, you're, you're, you attend church, but you're not integrated. You haven't sunk in roots. We want to invite you to this because this is a way to develop some commitment, to develop some roots where you're now serving somebody else. You're actually strengthening by sinking roots in and serving somebody else with an area of your strength to the glory of God. I, I want to invite you to start finding ways in your own spiritual life to go, guys, we, I need to sink in some roots. Because hardship comes, and when the wind blows and the storms come, I don't want to blow away. I want to challenge you to do this because everything we do at One Family Church, everything that we do, every ministry that we have here is designed to help you grow spiritually. And, and, and this is a, a discipleship opportunity where you can begin to grow in your commitment to Christ through your service to others. So, so if that's you today, if you're somebody who honestly in your heart, and don't let us know, don't raise your hand, but if that's you, you're like, man, I've been kind of just skipping across the surface. I kind of get excited about the Lord, and then like a month later, I forget what I even got excited about. I'm like a guy with a stationary bike. I got laundry all over my stationary. I just am not committed. I want to invite you to start sinking some roots in. Start sinking some roots in so that you can begin to flourish, so that you can begin to go 30, 60, 100-fold what the Lord put into you. So that's number two. That's the, that, is, uh, that is the uncommitted heart. The third one is what I'm calling the distracted heart. The distracted heart. I'm going to ask a question, and, and this is just for, the, just for the men today. I'm going to ask a question of the men. Men, have you ever had an experience where you're talking to somebody that you love. Let, let me say that a different way. Somebody that you love is talking to you. <laughs> maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a, a girlfriend. Maybe it's just a friend. But, but somebody that you love is speaking to you and, and talking to you. And you find that your mind begins to think about other things. 
Is anybody with me this morning? Because I don't want to be up here all by myself. (laughs) And somebody's conveying their feelings or their thoughts to you. And you're listening and you're looking them dead in the face. (laughs) But your thoughts are starting to go another direction. And then suddenly you see their mouth stop moving. And you know it's your turn to respond, but you don't even know what topic of conversation we're on. Is anybody with me out there today? Okay, I got the camera guys with me today. I love y'all. Thank you. Can I just give you a little hint? This is just a, this is just a relationship pro tip. Ready? Here's what you say in that moment, because you don't even know what topic we're on right now. Here's what you say. Tell me a little bit more about that. I'd like to learn what your feelings are about that. Could you share a little bit more? I just want to be here to make sure I understand. You're welcome. <laughs> Jesus said that sometimes our hearts are like this, right? We, <laughs> we, we, actually, we, actually, we actually receive the word, right? And, and the person that we're talking to, we actually do love them. We just love them. We really do love them. But, but, but we get distracted. Something gets in the way. He said sometimes the weeds in our life, the distractions of our life, the things of this world choke out the main thing that we're supposed to be focusing on. So the seed is good. The soil is good. But there's too much stuff growing in the soil. And so the other stuff, the secondary and tertiary stuff growing in the soil chokes out the main thing. Let me teach you this and you can write this down. When you eliminate distraction, you make room for devotion. The way to make room for devotion is to eliminate distraction. I'm going to show you. This is, a, this is a tool. This is one of the most ancient tools. Thank you. This is one of the most ancient tools known to humankind. Anybody know what this is? This is a hoe. This is a, this is a garden hoe. Uh, human beings have been using one of the, have, have been using this tool for literally tens of thousands of years. They've been, they've been using this. Because ancient farmers knew that in order for crop to grow, you needed to eliminate some of the weeds around the crop. You needed to eliminate and cut out some of those weeds by the root so that the crop could grow. Let me ask you this today. How many of you might have a little more room for devotion if you weeded out a little bit of TikTok? I'm going to go, what, what, what? How much room would you have for the Lord if you just took some of the gram out of your life over here? I mean, just weed some of that out. Uh, Some some of you from, you know, other generations, maybe you need to weed out some CNN and some Fox News out of your life. (laughs) You see, elimination is a spiritual discipline. Elimination is a spiritual discipline. Addition, you want to add things to your life, but many of us are adding stuff to our life that's getting choked out because we need to eliminate some stuff from our life. We need to, we need to remove some stuff from our life. I feel this in my life. In fact, I feel it in our, in our home. I mean, and, and we have four kids, and so there's lots of stuff happening. We got ballet. We got soccer. We got baseball. We got, we got a lot of stuff, right? But the question is, Are we following, are we pursuing the main thing in your life? Are you pursuing the main thing? Are you giving enough room for the main thing to grow? Because there are even some of the secondary and tertiary things, they're good. 
But if they're choking out the main thing, they're no good. Your life can't bloom. Your life cannot blossom. Your life cannot flourish. Uh, February, February 18th, we're starting life groups. Life groups is literally the mission and the purpose of life groups is that we would grow together. That's the whole purpose of that ministry, that we would grow together, that we would connect with each other, that we would care for each other, and that we would grow together. My challenge to you, when we get to life groups, we're going to launch them on, on the 18th. My challenge to you is to look at what is distracting you from devotion and to eliminate distractions to make room for devotion. That's going to be my challenge is let's, let's prioritize the thing that actually brings life, that actually allows us to flourish. Because ultimately, when Jesus teaches this parable, what he's really saying is, I want you to grow. I want, I'm putting the seed of my truth and my word into the soil of your heart. And if you have a cultivated heart and an open and receptive and accessible heart that has been nurtured and that has nourishment and water and nutrients, then what grows out of that is 30, 60, 100 times what I put in you. Jesus is saying, I want your heart and your life to be bountiful and full. By the end of the 1930s, the devastation that had happened in the region of the Dust Bowl had become an absolute national crisis and a national emergency. So there were a number of, of means and, and, and uh, attempts to address it. One of them was that thousands of young men from poor families around the country were invited to participate in a government work relief program called the Civilian Conservation Corps. Some of you may even remember this. It's the, the, they call it the three C's. My grandfather was actually a part of the three C's. They would, if, if you grew up in a, if you were in a, a, a poor family and you were between the ages of 17 and I think it was 17 and 25, you could join the Civilian Conservation Corps and they would send you out on a work relief program and you would do work and then they would, they would send the money from your work back to your family to help stabilize them. So they took these young men from the Civilian Conservation Corps and they sent them to the region of the Dust Bowl. And here's what they did. They replanted the wild grasses that had grown. They planted over 200 million trees to slow down the force of the winds. They created uh, contour farming, like terracing farming. So the farming actually followed the, the, the landscape rather than leveling the entire landscape. They started doing what was called strip farming, where you would grow strips of, of of different kinds of crop one way or the other to help stabilize the soil. They would rotate the crops and then they would allow the fields to be fallow for a period of time so that the nutrients could come back. In other words, they put all of these things into practice. They cultivated the soil so that the soil would be restored. Over the years, the soil in that region, Kansas and Texas and Oklahoma, Colorado, it began to be restored and as of 2012, that region produces annually about 700 million bushels of wheat, a third of the total U.S. harvest, uh, the total amount produced in the United States. Here's what this region looks like today. The region is rich. The soil is rich. The crops grow. And they produce 30, 60, 100 times 
what they did. Compare and contrast that picture from the picture we saw of the Dust Bowl. Right? The only difference was the seed didn't change. The soil changed. What's the condition of your heart? What, what is God trying to do in your heart so that your heart will look more like that field than the field of the Dust Bowl with the soil of your heart depleted and the nutrients of your heart worn out and the topsoil of your heart blown away? Now, what I mentioned at the beginning is that we're going to do two things. One is we're going to diagnose the heart and then we're going to develop some disciplines to cultivate the heart, right? So that's what we've been doing. Maybe today your heart... Maybe you relate to the hard heart. You say, yeah, that's, that's me. My heart got hurt, and I've been defensive, and I've been a little bit standoffish. I hear the word of God. I perceive it. I just don't let it penetrate. My heart is impervious. Maybe that's you today. Maybe for some of you, you're more like the, you're, you're more like the, the, the Peloton with the towel rack hanging, right? You, you're like, look, I, yes, I'm not, my heart's not hard. It's actually open, but every time I spring up, then suddenly, like a few weeks later, I'm squashed back out. I, my, my attempts to follow Jesus wither and die. And maybe, maybe you're, you're like the third one, which is you let the word of God get into your heart. In fact, you're very eager and enthusiastic to follow Jesus, but you're very eager and enthusiastic to follow other things as well. And there's just too much stuff in your life. And so the, the desire to pursue Jesus with your heart, soul, mind, body, gets just, it gets choked out by all the distractions that come along. If that's you today, then, then, then these, these cultivating practices, 40 days of prayer and fasting, life groups, dream team, these are ways to cultivate your heart. But I want to end with telling you one more thing. Even those disciplines you cannot do on your own. In fact, the reality is the Lord of the harvest has to come into your heart and break up the soil of your heart. And here's the promise of God. The promise of God is that every time he calls for our submission, he also brings us his support. We see it over and over through the scripture. Over and over, Jesus says, I want you to follow me. I want you to obey my commandments. And I'm going to send the comforter. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to come and sustain you and strengthen you to live out the life that I've called you to get to live. In fact, we see it throughout the entire Bible that God says, when I'm calling you to something, I'm actually going to do the work in you. I'm calling you to open yourself to the work that I'm going to do in you. In fact, the prophet Ezekiel says this, and this is one of my favorite scriptures of all time and I'm just going to leave you with this this is him quoting what the Lord says to his people his people who become hard and distracted and shallow the Lord says this I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you and I want you to embrace this this morning y'all he said I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart flesh Jesus wants to till the soil of your heart he wants to cultivate the soil of your heart so that your heart can flourish my my call to us today my challenge to us today is to let the Lord of the harvest cultivate the fields of your heart would you bow your heads with me as we close father you're so good to us You are a kind and generous God. You are the Lord of the harvest and you bring us the seed of your word. We've heard the seed of your word even this morning, Lord God. 
I pray that our hearts would be open and receptive. I pray that those of us who have a hard heart or a shallow heart or a distracted heart would open our hearts to you and allow the sweetness of your spirit, the rivers of your spirit, to soften the soil of our heart. Let our hearts be cultivated by your word. Let our hearts be cultivated by the power of your spirit, Lord God, that we might live out the true calling and the true purpose of the life that you have given us to live. That we don't find ourselves running after distraction, but we find ourselves running after devotion. And that our life, Lord, begins to flourish. And the true things that you've placed, the true seed, the good seed that you've placed in our heart takes root. That we might live lives of abundance and flourishing. That we might bring benefit and joy, not only to ourselves and to our families, but to the world around us. Let us bring a harvest, Lord God, that will feed and sustain the society and the city and the region and the country and the world. Let us be, Lord God, your children on this earth, producing 30, 60, 100 times what you've planted into us. Father, for this, we thank you, we honor you, we love you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.